Welcome to Drilling Deep and Happy New Year. I'm your host, John Kingston. We'll spend 2023 doing the same thing we did in 2022. We'll talk about oil and we'll talk about diesel and you need to drill to get oil and you need oil to get diesel. And that's why we call the show Drilling Deep. We also will continue to have our guest of the week talking about just about anything. This week, it's Paul Adams. He's the CEO of Rodex. Rodex services the needs of independent owner operators and small fleets on a wide variety of services, from factoring to dispatching to financing. He'll be here in a few minutes. If you didn't know it, you might think almost that God favored the Ukrainians. I say that because of one thing, the weather. Starting as early as last spring and summer, the fear was that when winter came this year, 2022, 2023, and Russian gas supplies, natural gas supplies were cut off or restricted, that European natural gas prices would soar as a result. Because of the growth of liquefied natural gas supplies, LNG, around the world, natural gas has become more like oil in that prices move toward equalization around the globe. If gas prices get higher than other places for whatever reason, cargoes of LNG would be diverted away from some markets and head to the market with the higher price. And eventually, things would get normalized. That sounds very simple, very Econ 101. But really, until LNG capacity has been built out over the past few years, that didn't happen. Natural gas was a pipeline commodity. It tended to get stuck in the market where it was produced. So the fear in diesel markets was tied to the fact that diesel is a distillate, like heating oil. And if we had a cold winter and we had tight supplies of Russian natural gas, the result would be a spike in natural gas prices and diesel would get dragged along with it. In some cases, diesel might get substituted for high-priced natural gas in industrial applications. The Europeans did get ready for that. They bought a lot of LNG and pipeline supplies when they could last spring and summer. They filled their inventories. By fall, storage rates going into European natural gas storage were running a full month ahead of normal. This was all very good news. In the U.S., natural gas production climbed as well at the end of 2021. There were 106 rigs drilling for natural gas in the U.S., according to the closely watched Baker Hughes rig count. A year later, it was 156. That's a gain of almost 50%. But the market waited. What was going to be the outcome of the biggest variable of all the weather? There were a few days in November when Europe in particular was a little chilly compared to historic norms. And then we had the big freeze around Christmas here in the U.S. But none of those things turned out to be long-lasting. A sentence in the New York Times just the other day said it all about Europe. Countries across the continent saw the warmest start to the year ever measured. I saw a statistic the other day that European natural gas storage here in early January was about 91% full. 91% in January. That is just amazing. Back in the U.S., the first, the, the first week of the year saw record highs set across the country. Personally, I can tell you that I played golf for the first time ever between Christmas and New Year's, just a few days after a bone-chilling Christmas weekend. All of this has resulted in a plunge in natural gas prices. By the end of November, the price of natural gas at the Henry Hub delivery point in Louisiana was more than $7 per thousand cubic feet. Note that they were over $9. That price was over $9 as recently as September. If you're wondering what Henry Hub is, it is a delivery point in Louisiana and is the delivery point for the natural gas contract on the CME Commodity Exchange. And then the big plunge. On December 15th, when we knew that Christmas was going to be frigid, the Henry Hub price settled at a little less than $7. By Tuesday of this week, 
that price had dropped below $4, that $4 per thousand cubic feet. That price also was almost exactly where it was a year earlier. And the warm weather was the key reason. But warm weather wouldn't have been enough if inventories hadn't been filled. And I come back to that 91% figure in Europe. That helped make a bearish trend created by the weather into a full-blown slide in prices. Not surprisingly, it's a key factor why diesel prices in futures markets have come down. You can see the impact not just in the outright price, which this week dropped almost 40 cents per gallon in futures market in the first two trading days of the year, but you can also see it in the fact that ultra-low sulfur diesel has fallen more than the price of international crude benchmark Brent. That's the weather at work. In June, the price of ultra-low sulfur diesel on the CME Commodity Exchange averaged a bid over $4 per gallon for the entire month. On Wednesday of this week, it settled at less than $3 per gallon. And with the weather at least now clearly a tailwind, consumers can breathe a sigh of relief for the time being. Though, you know, that big vapor cloud that emerges from exhaling in the winter might not be quite as spectacular as it normally is because of the weather. That's a good thing for drivers. It is still the first week of the new year, so we have not passed the point about which predictions uh, or can't can, can't be done. We're not past that point, like trying to place a bet down on a race that already began. So to that end, we're here with Paul Adams. He is the CEO of Rodex. It's a Michigan-based company that offers a wide range of services to several thousand independent owner-operators and small fleets. He's here to talk about the perspective of the current market from that very large slice of the market that he deals with. So, Paul, welcome to Drilling Deep. Thank you for having me. So Rodex is kind of a unique company. I don't know that I've ever encountered anything like it. Uh, just a kind of a one-stop shop servicing independence and very small fleets. How did it come about and what do you do? Um, well, Rodex started as a dream of a private uh, truck owning company. They had over 100 trucks, um, tired of making all the phone calls and trying to find out where their insurance certs are or trying to work with each group. Um, Deep came up. Um, we are a minority-owned, uh, female minority-owned, which probably makes us extremely unique in the industry. Um, but the idea was, how do we make their lives easier? And then we came together and said, well, why don't we put these services together, be very, very cost-effective, because we can take it and make less than each of the services, but make it on the whole so that we can let the independents make more money and put it in their pockets so that as they're driving one truck, two trucks, 10 trucks, um, that they can be more uh, as a viable business unit, right? When things start to vacillate as they had this year. So it was the dream. We've, uh, we're not quite finished yet. We still have some things to do to add a few other services over the next few years. Um, we've added a brokerage service for our lease time operators um, and uh, our dispatch clients to be able to, we can take less. So if the load's, you know, might be posted for 24, we may pay them 26, 27. Um, because again, they're in our client booth. They're working with us in factoring. They're working with us across the board um, so that we can take less as a, a profit to make sure that they continue to make more money. So that's kind of the dream uh, of what we're doing. Um, we have the, the, the hashtag, you know, we're roadies so that we ride along with them 24 hours a day. We offer service seven days a week, 24 hours a day on the fuel programs. You never get left by a, a pump if there's an issue. Uh, and if you have an issue throughout the organization, if there's something we can do as far as short-term loans or anything else, we're available seven days a week. Now, are you an asset light company or do you still have some power units? We have some power units. In fact, I'm looking at one in the parking lot this morning of why it was sitting in our parking lot. Um, we, we are more lease on 
Um, and that's really our goal is to take you from being your own boss, your new guy, um, might be entering the industry and might have been a professional that wanted his own MC now uh, and, and start driving. We take you through that, help you through the factoring. We have on-site attorneys that help you through a lot of the, uh, the setups and or advice on what you may, may need to take care of. Uh, and then we walk you through all the insurance. If you're with us, we pay for your down payment. We help you through our insurance programs. But the, the concept of, of driving them from a newbie to three to five trucks is really where we push to make them uh, so that they can choose to be out. Um, you know, we always say we're really successful when they get to about four or five trucks. They typically fire us from dispatch uh, because they can afford their own. Uh, and though you, you, you're, you're being fired, we throw a graduation party because they're evolving into something that, you know, they're off the road a little bit. They've got a team. They've got something running where they can have a, a sustainable family business. So what percent of your businesses, power units, you know, actually moving a freight versus a, I'll call it a consulting advisory business, that, that aspect of Rodex? Again, it's hard to break it because we do have a dispatch group. So we have a lot of guys signed on just for dispatch uh, and our other programs along with the brokerage. Um, in that space, we're, we're probably moving on a light side of about 40 million uh, annually. On freight side, we're doing well over you know, 200 without the freight on all the other businesses at this point. Okay. So I tend to think of independence as like the swing capacity in the market. Uh, obviously, my background is oil. That's why we call the show Drilling Deep. And the swing capacity in the market tended to be OPEC in the past. And more recently, it's really been the U.S. shale producers. So I think of independence as that kind of the, the equivalent in trucking. Times are good. The capacity comes on. Times are bad. It retreats. Where are we in that cycle now? We know that a lot of a lot of people have parked their vehicles and going off the road who were independent. We know a lot of them came on during this incredible freight market of second half of 2021 and really the first half of this year. Where are we in the cycle of capacity coming in, capacity going out? Well, I mean, there's a couple of things that let's get back how they what's different between this and like 19. Um, the prices of trucks and trailers went so crazy for that last half, right? You're loading a truck up for 250 grand with the trailer in the past, you were doing that for 180 uh, or less. Um, so they're, they're carrying an undue burden right now of new trucks that came on the market with those payments, fuel prices being up, extremely up, and rates being way down in 30, 40% comparably to the beginning of the year. Um, that shock put a lot of trucks. So if you're talking, and we just, um, uh, with one of the owners, we were talking to a few of the uh, uh, truck resellers, and they're not selling anything but picking up 10 to 20 trucks a week being dropped off. Uh, in our group, we've got an armful that have uh, recently just decided to hang it up completely or file bankruptcy. Um, and we help them through what that means uh, so that they do it in an in a equitable way. But I don't think that wave's hit fully yet. Like in 19, you got a lot of people that are struggling, they're fighting through. Uh, in the secondary finance markets, I'm hearing a lot of mid-tier trucking companies, 20 to 50 trucks taking on hard money right now, uh, you know, that of like 19 to 29% loans to try to float the cash flow, uh, especially as you're looking at going into January and February, which is a light freight month anyways, or months. Um, so I think there's a reckoning coming, um, but I think there's a clear signs, fuels down 80 cents over the last 30 to you know, 45 days. So that's putting a little more money back in their pockets. You're seeing the impact of, uh, you know, guys parking trucks pretty quickly. 
that rates have gone up over the last 10 days a little bit. So there's an easing. Um, the question is what happens in the seasonal perspective of January and February and how many go out. Um, we spend a lot of time consulting with people recently about how to help them either through SMBs for the larger guys with 50 trucks um, or helping them work with their local bank to get a line of credit to float that in and out. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, what, what's an SMB, Paul? Small business loan. Okay. okay. So, FBL, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so we want to make sure that we can do um, that piece that they make sense, right? Some of the guys, it doesn't make sense. They're so over leveraged based on what they paid that it just doesn't make sense to take more debt. You're just going to fall behind. Um, but they're still coming and you're seeing a lot of great run companies that are really, you know, again, it's that it's not the large, large guys with thousand, fifteen, you know, hundred trucks or five thousand or more, um, where they have good banking structures in place. It's really that the one to five guys have been able to cut salaries and move and they're 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 doing they're making a living, they're keeping them running, um, struggling at times with repairs, uh, where they need a little bit of factoring help, uh, factoring advances. But the 20 truck to 50 truck, um, that operation is, uh, you know, running into a little bit more of cash flow issues and, and, you know, trying to help them through that. So there's going to be some reckoning coming and, um, it's probably due. We got overbalanced. We got a lot of guys that jump into trucking that didn't know how to run trucks that, um, you know, they were making a killing. So put a guy on the road and a lot of investors that went out and bought five, 10 trucks without understanding what it meant to carry safety to run a real trucking company, but putting them on the road because their friend told them, hey, you can make 200 grand running each truck during the heyday. And those trucks are starting to come back. And we're seeing that across the board. Yeah, well, you know, right now they are getting, uh, the drivers are getting a nice little double whammy benefit. So I won't call it a double whammy. Diesel prices are down and rates are up. I was looking at the Sonar NTI today and it, it had been about 230 just a few weeks ago is now up like 250, 255. So we've seen some 290s going on. Yeah, okay. So so certainly things are getting better. Let's talk about your dispatch unit because I don't know. I, I think it's kind of unique. You've got this large conglomeration of dispatchers. Dispatchers I always think of as tending to work for a large company on the one hand or being completely solo operators on their own. Uh, you've got, I guess, a conglomeration of dispatchers uh, working for Rodex. Uh, talk about that part of the business. When we launched, what we came up with as we we're continuing looking at how to grow a business, the problem we found was a lot of the new guys thought they could run that and, and they knew how to go out and find any of the stuff off the board, maybe negotiate a small lane uh, because their friend could get them in. But ultimately, they they were picking and choosing, right? Oh, I'm going to steal this lane because I got 480 out of uh, California or something of that nature. But it left them in Oklahoma and they were deadheading to Atlanta or something. But when we taught them and said, look, it's not. Every everyone doesn't have to be a home run. It's the end of the month. Did you turn in a thirty thousand dollar month during the big days, or were you turning in a twenty two and had so many deadhead miles that you're really not winning? So we had a struggle with a lot of our new guys as we were bringing them through the system, uh, and decided let's bring in some talent. We had some really good dispatchers already in house. Um, we knew a ton around that could come in, and we're senior folks. Um, we made the investment of paying a lot more than anybody else around us to get that talent in and then start bringing those guys in and teaching them what money lanes meant and allow them to return to doing it. And we thought it would be a, an education and handoff space. And and a lot of them, they just, hey, they're happy with it. We don't charge a lot for it. Um, it's not a get rich program. It's a get our, our customers strong. Um, so as we run through that, um, you know, we're running, you know, hundreds of trucks a day. 
They're excited about it. And um, we think it filled a gap in that one to five truck company um, that they're getting more talent than they would have paid for. They probably would have paid a $30,000, $40,000 kid to learn dad or, or whatever. Um, and now with the brokerage coming in, we're now coming directly to them with rates higher than they would get anywhere else um, because of within our cycle. So it's it's been a win-win for us across the board. Uh, and we're graduating them into being full-time companies. And a lot of these guys are new, can't get loads, right? If they're MCs within that six-month or year window, but then they, they're leased on to us. So we'll ride them under our MC and then book them with clients that will allow them to get some freight under their new MC so that we mature that MC out. Uh, so if they want to leave and go on and do their own thing, you know, we're happy to help that. Right now. Um, so how many dispatches do you have working for Rodex? In-house right now, there's six next door. Uh, and, you know, around the country, I think there's anywhere uh, part-time to full-time, there's another six to 12 uh, between that and India. Uh, for keeping 24-hour availability for any issues that they may have. Um, and it's one of the unique things that we offer. If they've got an issue with the load, you know, you're not waking your dispatcher up at 2 in the morning. We have somebody that has it. If they need a cert or they need a packet sent out again because the, the pickup didn't get it, we have somebody available for that. So if if you were advising, if some, let's say somebody came to you, young young man, young woman, they want to get in this business. I mean, you've got the perspective of all these different professions, some of which actually work at Rodex. Some people think dispatching is a way into the business. Uh, I'm I, I wonder if maybe dispatching is the step after you drive for a while, so you know what life is like on the road. Uh, maybe brokerage is a, is a, is a, the uh, the entry level job. Which do you think is the best way to get in? So for us, we think dispatch gets you into brokerage. Because we think that as you know how to book and negotiate the side, you you go into brokerage. And again, we're looking at brokerage as an asset to all our leased on and all our support teams. So as we drive that business, it's really that we want compassion to the driver where a lot of brokerages are on the other side. How do I maximize my return rather than worrying about the driver making enough money? Right. So since they're in our ecosystem, it behooves us not to let them go you know, bankrupt and trying to make $200 extra on a load. So we feel that that vibrate, because they book the load, it puts them in a spot to be able to help in brokerage. But if you're getting into the industry, if you ultimately want to drive, um, you know, there's a lot of good guys out there that will take you through a three to, you know, two week program to understand the basics of what dispatch really means. Um, we're unique in one way that we're not dispatching to keep you forever. So we're having the debate on why you should take this load and where we're moving, which is counterproductive because we're teaching you how to dispatch yourself um, or at least understand that. So for our standpoint, you might fall off in six months to a year because you figured out what we do. And that's fine with us because we want you to be a successful business person. So um, we're unique in that spot. But I think you've got to have the, the, the nomenclature. So you either start in dispatch or you start in brokerage. Um, if you're a driver, it's even better. Um, because you have a perspective of what it's like to leave somebody sitting at a dock for six hours, um, which doesn't always uh, translate that. Don't worry about it to pick up, but it's a great load. And well, I, I've got downtime of five hours of watching YouTube, right? Um, catching up on Yellowstone, I hope. Um, but I, I think that rules for us. And what we see as success in that is that they, that combination of communication on a regular basis and our attorney, our lead attorney in operations, vice president of operations started at 17 changing oil, um, had his own trucks while he was going through law school, helped dispatch, helped run a small trucking company, ultimately helped run a larger trucking company. 
Uh, so the perspective on the entire team is somebody who knows what it's like. So there's a lot of fights and loud voices around here when we find out somebody's been sitting on the side of the road for eight hours waiting for a load. Let's talk about factoring. I'm going to guess that right now it's not a great business. You've got higher interest rates on the one hand. You also have lower invoice sizes. So the haircut that a factoring company takes uh, off an invoice for its services has got to be down too. That, you know, I talked about the double whammy to the positive for drivers right now with the, uh, you know, uh, rate rates a little bit higher in the last several weeks plus lower diesel. It sounds to me like, you know, on the factoring side, that is a double negative whammy, higher interest rates plus uh, lower invoice sizes. Um, are you, is the factoring business right now kind of on its back? Uh, again, I, you know, you got so many factoring people out there right now. It's going to be a little bit of weeding out individuals who were floating on high loans and borrowing money to try to carry it during the high time. Um, that may end up being undercapitalized. Um, it, it, it's a tough spot. You're still running through your business. If you got the right rates, those guys who went out trying to steal the business at a point, point and a half for one truck, yeah, they're in trouble. Um, you know, you're looking at even a decent loan that you're running at a bank uh, might be at three and a half plus, you know, pick one of the, the indicators, which means you're probably adding another three to 4%. Um, it's hard to run a business on making, and if you're not collecting well, 8% on a return on an annualized basis is not a, a sexy number for any investors. But we're seeing that the window of time is for us is to actually do the other side, helping them through the the uh, the, the short-term loans, the help them keep going into their business. Um, and it's tough, but, you know, we took the money at the top end, so we've got to be able to manage it going through, you know, the downside. And a good factoring company should be prepared financially, both on the on the, on the bank balance side and the investment that the company has, right? So we own a large chunk of our book um, with our own capital um, and more than half uh, so that we're invested heavily in our interest rates, even though they've moved, is still kind of a, a, a divisible event for us. Um, and there's a lot of good guys out there that are doing the same thing. And there's a lot of guys that are, are capitalized. If I was a trucker, if they miss your payment, you know, one time uh, or, You've had delayed payments or they're not paying a few loads, I'd be worried. I, I'd make sure I talk about what this secondary factoring company is and, and make sure that they have the capital to fund you. So what's your outlook for 2023? You deal with a lot of drivers, uh, you deal with a lot of clients in general. Uh, so it's a big roster. Uh, you know, the, the, the consensus seems to be the first quarter is going to be miserable, even though we've got higher rates, which is not normally something you would associate with misery. Um, and then the rest of the year, maybe by the second half of the year, significantly better, in part because of this capacity that came out off the market in the second half of 2022 because of the low rates. What's your outlook? So what we're projecting this year is that we think the first quarter is absolutely going to be dismal. Uh, the exciting part is fuel came down more than predicted. Um then we've actually working with some of the, the key people in the industry. Um, part of it, it's because we only have the one cold blast and we're not using as much heating the, in the, uh, the U.S. across the board. Um, the others is just uh, we're not quite sure um, why we would drop gasoline and, and fuel fills. Um, so I think that's going to help. Uh, rates moving a little bit faster than we thought. We were projecting that they would stay about where they were through the first quarter um, and move up on the backside. Um, we expect about a 10% growth as far as in rates through that beginning of the second quarter and then probably somewhere in the 20. Uh, and it's just a rational of all the new contracts and everybody renegotiating what the fuel, fuel prices will level out at and putting those back into the contracts in a meaningful way instead of surcharges. 
uh, that will drive the lane prices up, that will drive up spot, um, and you'll see that across. So we think it'll be equitable for those who make it through with the reasonable bill structure, um, but we're still off 40% on, if you look at an average factoring load, you're still off 40%. So even a 20% increase into that, um, you know, is still not a huge number comparably to the previous years. Yeah, the size of your factoring invoice is probably the greatest indicator out there about how well things are going how, and how well they're not going. Yeah, well, you could, you tie that into Sonar and you say, okay, what is Sonar saying? They're saying, and what are we seeing as a cross? Um, it gives us insight into how do we want to book loads, but it also takes us down the path of how do we project cash and uh, return on capital deployed. Well, I'm sure the correlation is very high than what you're seeing and what's in Sonar. <laughs> I have no doubt a dis- from a disappointing standpoint, yes. I mean, we were... Yeah. Hoping that there'd be a little bit more run for these guys. Uh, you know, as an advocate, I mean, I don't understand the fuel price structure. Um, you know, you used to pay fuel at 10% was pretty much kind of the rule of thumb, put it on the scale that if you're taking a load, 10% of that's going to go for your fuel costs. Um, we were pushing north of 30%. We're still in the 20s. Um, you know, that's a big chunk. And unless you're running a lot of trucks, it's tough to make it on three or five trucks, right? All right. We want to thank Paul Adams. The, he is a CEO of Rodex, which is based in Michigan. They do lots of things. I'm not going to try to summarize it in one sentence. I think if you've been listening to the interview, you can see that Rodex is active in a lot of different segments of the industry. So, Paul, thanks for being with us on Drilling Deep today. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And you have been watching Drilling Deep. We are part of the Freightcast family of shows on Freightwaves TV and also podcasts on all the various podcast platforms. You can hear us wherever you get your podcasts. I've been your host, John Kingston, and please. Join us again.